You're listening to The Hoof of the Horse, a podcast dedicated to farriery and equine science with Dr. Simon Curtis. This episode of our podcast today is sponsored by the Hoof Care Essentials Foundation and their partner, Wellshod Farrier Supply. For this, my latest podcast, I travelled up to Norfolk in England, just an hour north of where I live. And I went up there to meet up with Robert and Robbie Rush, father and son from a line of farriers. And I interviewed them in a forge, which is very appropriate, sitting on anvils and the couple of stalls that were available. And we were in the forge at Red Wings, which is a horse sanctuary. In fact, it's almost certainly the biggest in Europe, one of the biggest in the world. And they go up there every single day and run a service up there, not just the two of them, but a whole team of farriers. So it's a big operation. In fact, to have an operation looking after 2,000 horses is unusual anywhere in the world. So this big operation requires a veterinary department of six or seven vets. And it also uh, requires a team of six or seven farriers looking after the horses. So I talked to them about that and I talked to them about the fact that, of course, because it's a horse sanctuary and sadly the fact that one exists proves that not everybody in the horse world looks after their horses well enough. I'm sure occasionally people fall on hard times and therefore it's difficult for them to look after their horses. But most of the horses at Red Wings are rescues. And that in itself brings problems because most of them stay there for quite a while. They have an aged population. But that means that I was able to explore in the podcast uh, farriery issues relating to older horses. Now, on the day that I recorded this in end of March 2020, that's really about the day that I think it hit home to everybody across the world the seriousness of the COVID-19 virus or coronavirus. And we had to cover this because it was already starting to impact on the horse world and therefore on the farrier world. Anyway, it it was a great opportunity for me to speak with a couple of farriers that I've known for most of their careers. I've come up to Norfolk to see two good old friends of mine, uh, Robert Rush and Robbie Rush. So up in Norfolk, we're at the Red Wing Sanctuary, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in a while. Uh, the Rushes come from quite a line of farriers. I knew Granddad, I suppose Bob now, father of Robert and the grandfather of Robbie, and we used to examine together. So it's nice to catch up with son and grandson. Welcome to the podcast. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. We've got an unusual setup here because we're sitting in the forge at Red Wings and uh, one on an anvil and two of us on stools with the microphone <laughs> sat up on another anvil. So, so we're hoping it comes out all right. All right. So just tell me, um, if you can, Robert, something about what, what is a horse sanctuary? Red Wings Horse Sanctuary, uh, it's got about seven or eight farms and consists of uh, over 2,000 horses. About 500 of them horses are actually owned out. So uh, we look after about just, what, 1,600? Yeah, something about 1,600. Uh, but just, just 
The first question was, what is a horse sanctuary? It's a place where, uh, well, a sanctuary, so, basically. Yeah, welfare sanctuary. Well, thank you for defining something. <laughs> <that's repeating laughs> the answer, it answers the question. <laughs> but, but why would they come here? Abused, neglected, left. Uh, sometimes you get horses of 10 or 20 just left it you know, on roads and things like that. Big welfare or, cases, uh, aren't they? Old horses with uh, laminates uh, or serious problems, so you can't do anything with them. So just they come here for rest, really, looking after. Usually to the end of their days as well. They, they do have a rehoming site, but most of the older ones will, will stay there until, until the end. But do you ever get people who, for economic reasons, can no longer afford to keep a horse? Do they I ever think, come and approach I think a few, they, they get a lot of calls, I'm not sure the sort of numbers, but years ago they would take horses purely from a payment basis and look after them and take them off the people. And, but now because they're so full, um, because of these constant welfare cases, they're actually taking it keeping the, some of these horses in the yards and paying for them and looking after them like that. I think the other thing that's changed with Red Wings, when I first knew it, any horse that came on site never left, did it? But you, as you say, they now have a rehoming yeah, policy. Yeah, they, they've got two or three rehoming yeah. centres now. Yeah. Which will rehome the horses. Yeah, one up in um, Great Yarmouth, one down in Oxhill in Warwickshire, and one just, just at the bottom of the hill down here at Parklands. Um, and they'll take them anything, I think, from about three or four years old, won't they? Start yeah. bringing them on. Long process, because they obviously have to be virtually bomb-proof by the time they go out to the back to the customer. They always stay in Red Wings care, though, don't they? So anything yeah. happens to them, they'll come they'll back for veterinary care or shoeing. And does somebody check <coughs> up on them, then? Yeah, oh. yeah, constantly going around to the farms and the, and the houses they're in. There's so many welfare cases now, there's more than any, any other time, I think. The horse has yeah. no real value nowadays. People just neglect them. They have a big long list, so they can't even get them in. Yeah. Anything, but you what do they do with them if they can't get them in? They'll, uh, they'll keep them at different places, yeah. paper themselves and send people in there to, to, to look after them. But the farms are actually full up. We've been sent out as sort of external teams. We did a big... Big um, one in uh, rescuing Yorkshire a few years ago. It was about 150, 200 cobs, black and white ones, yeah. feet up, turned up at the toes, really, really long. And in the end, they just had, they ended up having to get a few sanctuaries all together, go up with a team of farriers, team of vets, and treat them all there. And then they were eventually split between farms all across the UK. So that, that was one of your roles. I was going to ask you about what, what is your general role here? Because I know you come here every day. Yeah, so the, the general role, I mean, we have lads up here that would just do a, a standard trimming rotation between six and eight weeks throughout the farms. So like Dad said, seven or eight farms I think we go to, um, they'll go through them and then basically start again at the end of it. We're up here sort of Wednesday and Thursday for the remedial surgical type shoeing yeah. and the ones that have like the vet requests and, and sort of extra work. But we do anything from sort of, what, five to 15 shoeing jobs on a, on a, on a weekday like today. And that can, that can range from absolutely anything, really. Glue on shoes, laminetics, all the way through to some older horses that... Well, you're, you are, by the nature of the place that they stay here and rescue, mm. means that you've got an aged population, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah. There's a lot of old horses here, a lot of sort of There's croaky still, ones. Yeah, still get a lot, of, a lot of young stuff coming in. Yeah, not yeah. But the one, most of the ones we're shoeing are the real sort of comfort jobs, aren't they? The <laughs> ones that are the foot sore and stuff like that. And they are the old, like, the thoroughbreds and stuff like that are the old ones that can't really fill the, fill the stones and stuff like that. Just keeping them comfortable. But the majority of your work here is trimming, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. There's probably about uh, 150 surgical shoeing jobs and the rest, what, probably 1,500 trimmings? Something like that, yeah. yeah. But that still shows that, you know, what you call, well, 
I like the fact you use the old-fashioned term surgical yeah. <laughs> rather like than corrective or remedial. <laughs> but, um, it, but that's still a very high proportion, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if anybody who was talking about 10% of their normal shoeing round required that specialist time. shoeing, yeah. you'd say, you know... That, so I mean, so un under the same bracket would still be something along the lines of even just a pair of pads under, under a normal pair of shoes. That For us, that would still be treating, treating a horse. Yeah. So it's not necessarily sort of a hot bar shod or a, or a glue on. It's just keeping that horse comfortable, and that just falls in the same bracket for us. Yeah. It is an awful lot of laminitis up here, mm. especially when the, when the spring comes and one of you. You've got so many horses up here, and you'll, sometimes you'll get a few or seven or eight cute cases in straight away. We've got them over one of the farms at the moment, yeah. where we put the, just the aluminiums and uh, the padding underneath, and that seems to work quite aluminium hard parts. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of them, I think it all depends on, obviously you've got horses that are in field and, and they're not having work, so they're mulching away and taking the grass down. Well, they're, they're not actually, that's why I mean, they're very instant. well kept paddocks here, yeah, aren't they? They, they, they? they wouldn't look out of place on a top thoroughbred farm in no, Newmarket. No, we were saying before, yeah, they, do, they look after them well, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and of course, well, the thing about thoroughbreds is they rarely get laminitis yeah, through, yeah. uh, you know, high carbohydrate intake. Of grass, but of course, some of these other ponies and breeds, cobs and are, ponies, well, yeah, they, they, they're bred to live head, off nothing, yeah, that's it, head down, and they just carry on eating. You're glorified lawnmower. <laughs> so, this is a, a good place for any farrier to, to learn about various diseases of old age relating yeah. to farriering. And, and obviously um, aspects of laminitis. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, any conditions. I mean, through my apprenticeship and probably if you ask most of Dad's old lads that have qualified through, the, the stuff you see up here is unbelievable and, and a high instance of it as well. Even down to sort of keratomas. I remember oh, sort yeah. of doing four or five keratomas in a year once up here, which is... I know, most, most farriers, would, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you talk to farriers, most of them... Would brag if they've seen two in their yeah, lifetime. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, no, we've most of ours are done on the operating table with the vets. Yeah, six vets here, so we, we have to go in there and literally have to take the keratomes out as well. Yeah, so a lot of apprentices don't even get to see that, even when they're qualified men. They're, uh, so they do get to see everything up here. And get to have a little go at it as well. Yeah, which is good. well, there's. There's not a farrier I don't know that isn't a covert surgeon. If they latex gloves on and can't wait for it, going into the sensitive <laughs> tissue, you know, knives sharpened. I've yeah. been very guilty of that yeah. myself. <laughs> so um, yeah, so you have um, uh, you have some qualified chaps and you have uh, apprentices here on the team. Yeah, we've got about four or five of our apprentices. Some are old, old lads. We, yeah, day uh, we, four or five can't be qualified yeah. lads. So there's usually two that stay with us once they've qualified for the next two years. We'll always have them one, two days a week. And obviously I'm with, with Dad myself as well. So yeah, we keep quite a big team going, don't yeah, we? Yeah, quite often we'll have to have a six or seven on a single day doing 120 trips and eight or nine mm. shoes. Obviously we have to take the whole team up there just to get the farm done in one day so we get in and get out. Yeah, because you have, I know we're on the biggest farm, but how many other parts of Red Wing, how many other farms are there that uh, you go to? Yarmouth, they've got about 120 yeah. uh, horses there, which is about 8 or 10 uh, shoe jobs. Yeah. We've got another one just down the road at Alsham, there's 80 horses there, about 6 shoe jobs. Yeah, Ada Cole down in Harlow, we shoe that. So that was, an, that was a different century, and they, they actually came together yeah. a few years ago. They're, they're probably about 85 up to 100 varies, didn't it? Then down to Warwickshire, 
We've got a yard down there called Oxhill. And, and Warwickshire would be a good two hours from here, if not a little bit. Two and a half, yeah. yeah. Right next to the college, actually. Warwick College, five minutes down the road from there. Yeah. Um, and they've probably got best part of 100 as well, yeah. haven't they? And there's only one you don't go to in, in Wales. Wales, yeah. And that's another century that's just joined up. six hours, wouldn't it? Yeah, I can't imagine. I think yeah. it's even further than yeah. that. Yeah. So, so they have their own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it'd just be too far to go down. Lost shoes become a bit of a problem. <laughs> but, but obviously, it takes a lot of organising. <clears throat> so, which one of you two does the organising? <laughs> or the disorganising? Well, I always do. Robbie's been taking over. I always have. I mean, I've been doing really for over 26 years. Yeah. So, I've always done it. Robbie takes an awful lot more. So, I did a majority of our home, we obviously run a home round as well, so I yeah. did a majority of the home round and, and Dad sort of sends a list out of where we're going. So you have yeah. still got time then for the everyday horse and... and, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, a, still a big part of, of the job, of our job. Yeah, we, we run three bands, so every day there's usually one or two at home, yeah. plus plus the Red Wings band, so yeah, it does keep us keeps us busy. So you keep a van on site here, do you? Yeah, there's a, that one out the front there is, is just yeah, usually yeah, I've the... I've got to remind you, it's a podcast, so people can't yeah. see that. There's a van right. at the front. <laughs> <laughs> it's a white one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially when we're at the... What, some of the farms don't have a forge. So okay. you've, that's obviously got to be stocked yeah. up just for any eventuality, shoeing-wise. Yeah. But sometimes, I mean... When you're up here and you know you've got a full stock, you can sometimes you can come up in the car, but it's always good to have. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I mean, we're sitting in the forge where you've got two anvils, gas fire, coke fire, and you've got room for three horses next door, or could you have four at a push? You could have three out there. I mean, I had that, uh, when I measured it all up, I didn't dump just for two horses there, just safety wise, so you've got enough room. But they do try to squeeze three just to get yeah. numbers done. But you've we got can, a nice large. Um, concrete standing area as well on top, yeah. so you could actually. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, you could have two or three just stood out there with a the handle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we there, there is whispers at the moment of trying to increase yeah. the. Uh, well, I think you know, I was looking at. <laughs> we the, keep trying to push for it. I was it. looking at the veterinary <laughs> facilities here, yeah, and they're quite nice. And then I thought, boys, you're not pushing the farrier's case. <laughs> well, oh, no. well, One of those I, nice I, resin I, floors. I, I, this, I could have made it double the size of this and made that bigger. Yeah, but I didn't want to be greedy. Yeah. So tell me, because we covered you know, we said a little bit about old horses, but so what what's the oldest horse you've had here? Oh, um Christ put a number on it. I know we've had a, a donkey that I think was born in nineteen sixty six, which is yeah. I think it's passed away now, but yeah, that was one of the oldest. And they say donkeys never die. No, that's right. <laughs> but it tries and the ears keep growing. So how old was it when it passed away? Uh, probably about four or five years ago. So yeah, fifth, late yeah. 40s, yeah. About yeah. yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, but it I'm not sure horse-wise. Yeah, they do have a lot of the sort of geriatric older horses up here. And uh, just tell me, first of all, forgetting about foot problems, there, there, there's probably some difficulty of, of working with Older horses, anyway, getting under them, and you have yeah. quite a lot of ponies here, so obviously that's hard. Well, what? That's, I mean, there's two different things. Yeah, a lot of the older horses and a lot of the smaller ones are obviously harder to get onto. But then you add in the into the equation that they're usually welfare cases and very nervous. So a lot of the time you're trying a one-handed nail, and that's sort of years ago. That's what we used to try and go through. Now, as everything's progressed, we'll usually sort of go for straight for the glue on. A lot easier for the pony. You're not pulling it away from the body. Things like that. There's, there's lots of different types of horses and you just have to know them individually. Most of the handlers and the farms we go to have a report pretty much on every horse. 
before you get under it, whether it's sedated usually, whether it needs food, whether it needs a bit of handling, which is always really handy because you, you don't want accidents. No. I know, I mean, I, the first thing, although it's, it's clearly not the first time I've been up here, and, and both of you and Red Wings were kind enough to let me take pictures that I used in one of the chapters for Hoof of the Horse. But it struck me again today as just how big an organisation this is. There's mm. staff here, there's lots of transport, mm. there's, well, there's a farrier service of six or seven farriers, there's a veterinary service of, what, five or six? Six, yeah, yeah about six qualified. Yeah. Qualified. So, I mean, this is a big operation. Yeah, oh, yeah, especially on a shoeing day. Like We'll usually get the list sort of a week or so before your standard rotations. But any time throughout that week, you can get another 10 or 15 vet requests. Different, and just getting them emailed. We've both got our emails pinging all day long. Is new you horses got, coming in. You've got six vets working all the time. There's horses with problems. They used to fill out a vet before for us. So something's gone late, but over there, one of fills there. It's all filled out. It's pinged to us. Before you know it, you've got so a queue coming out the front 15, door. 15 vet requests on the list. Just never know one week to the next. Just exciting. <laughs> well, you know, you, you have a huge interest and you obviously build up a huge knowledge of these problems, especially with aged horses, mm. don't you? You know, oh, I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a great resource here for, for farrier knowledge in that yeah. field. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, 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 you know, that's one of the big advantages your apprentices have, which yeah. hopefully some of them will come carry forward that knowledge. And having the forges here as well, well, they've always got the time to make the shoes up as well. Any, any sort of sideburn of the ringbone cases, quite easily they've got a stock of steel and they can crack on, get them shod while we're here, which is always a bonus. Well, so if you're shoeing for ringbone, do you use the traditional sidebone shoe? Yeah, anything but as much breakover really as possible, is make that horse comfortable as possible. And if it's more of a concussive lameness, that's where you go down the pads and the, yeah. and, the and the softening route. Most of the cases of the, any of the old horses is just shooting for comfort rather than cure because you're not going to yeah. you're not going to change anything. Mm. So you do a tank, concussion pads or things like that. But I say just break the brake. Yeah. Just get as comfortable as you can. Because they don't want to be going out on a ten mile ride with something on like his back. No. You're just going to be turned out. Even even down to sort of artificial wear patterns with the grinders and stuff like that, you can see how much that improves. Just some of these old cobs with the upright pastons and bits like that. It's amazing just to show the lads if that horse has walked in and it's taken all of its outside toe off, follow what it's got on before okay. and you instantly see them walk out better. And I was interested, you said about uh, concussive lameness and how do you, how do you along with the vets, diagnose that? Is that just if it's more comfortable on the soft going than on well, the Well, yeah, more, yeah more, and obviously you've got your walk, your trot-ups and, and stuff like that. You usually have a team, when there's a horse that goes lame, it's us and the vet will work together to come up with a plan or a shoeing plan to improve it. But yeah, I mean, t the types of shoeing is a, because these horses aren't being worked, we always try to go for the lightest section, always try to go for a sort of a pad or a softener or, of some sort, and it pretty much does the job, doesn't it? Yeah. They don't need a big heavy shoe. No. Either. Most of them, so we keep bars available. Yeah. Know, we don't make anything. Yeah, no, that's right. Now, I have to cover the subject because we're right in the middle of it at the moment, and I don't know when this podcast will come out, but hopefully by the time it comes out, things will have settled, but... Here in the UK, I think we're up to 150 deaths. We're yeah. in the middle of Pandemic. March uh, with the COVID virus. And I was here when you've already had a discussion with one of the staff mm. 
about how you mitigate for that. I mean, they, they asked if you've got the sanitizer for your hands. Yeah, and they're safe for somewhere. Yeah, but biosecurity is. I mean, has always been a big thing at Red well, Wings anyway. Yeah, which this is number of horses in one spot. Yeah, oh, forgetting about. I the mean, the, the, yeah, the years ago. Are, I know. Well, when we've had recently, when we've had the the old um, any sort of breakout with horses and, and cattle and stuff like that, they're wet on it, aren't yeah. they? You have to watch the bags down, the tyres down, every time you go in, out, or anywhere. So this yeah. is a place that actually... Oh, biosecurity is about as high as you'll get To it. suddenly yeah. swap to thinking about... Yeah, I mean, any people. any horse that comes into Red Wings, we have a quarantine centre just on the side of the A11. Yeah. And they'll stay there for about a month at a time, be scoped every single test possible before they know 100% before they're released into the herd. And it's the same with us. When we're there, it's every, it's aprons on, and it? It's washed, washed down tools. It's... Yeah, they're very, very strict on it, which is, is a good thing. Cause the last thing you want is spreading that across the farm, this many horses. So, as I say, with uh, the, the COVID virus is, is, is well underway uh, in the UK as it yeah. is around the world. I heard you, you were having a phone call with one of your clients, weren't you? Yeah, so yeah, I've had a few texts over the last few days, actually, from vets and clients asking if we're still, we're still working, whether we're shutting down. They're, they're still wanting to work their ponies. We've got the Easter holidays coming up, so all the kids are off school, which is another big part of our... We don't just shoot for the sanctuary. Like I said, we've got the home round, but most of those are the, the pony clubs and the, and the riding horses that really depend on riding schools, that depend on some of these holidays. Everything's being shut down. But, yeah, customer texting earlier on saying, are, are you still coming? What precautions are you taking? And we just have to inform them, keep keep them confident, and, and let them know social distancing. We're washing our hands. We're keep washing down the vans in between jobs. And all the vans have been stocked with sanitizers. And yeah, and hand gels. Yeah, it would be so useful. Well, I like. The, I mean, two things happened this morning. First of all, we couldn't use the room that we wanted. No, the meeting room. It's, yeah, there's <laughs> no means in the meeting room. And the other thing was when the young lady came in to see about it, she looked at this forge and she looked at the three of us sat here and she said. Yeah, four's the maximum you're allowed yeah. in here. And <laughs> We're all actually standing in the corners. <laughs> so, um, yeah, shouting at the yeah. microphone. But, but it, it just shows you, you know, I mean, this is extraordinarily serious. And yeah. It, it, but that even as far as it's impacting on, on us. Oh, definitely, financial-wise. It's, it's going to be a worry over the next few weeks, next few months. I was speaking to a local vet um, yesterday. He said all the local pony club meetings have been cancelled which is a, a big thing for farriers. I, I think everyone's sort of taken it a little bit lax until the last couple of days. I think yeah, before you know it, it's going to... Uh, racing's been cancelled. It's Before you know it, it's going to start affecting all of us. Yeah. yeah. I'll just have to do more podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it. It's um, all right for you. Paper, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get around to that afterwards. Yeah. Okay, so you know, here, here's the fact, though, that the working at a place like this, and, and I know horse people in general are pretty tough, and they take responsibility for their own action. But because they've got so many staff, they do have a health and safety culture, don't they? I noticed all the, and it was mainly young ladies, yeah. leading the horses and holding the horse for you. They were all wearing helmets, weren't they? Mm. They've got to, well, yeah, they've got to. There's got to be two, two people at one horse at all times. They've got to, literally 24-7, got to wear the hard hats. Yeah, insurance-wise. They can't they... wear gloves when they're holding the ropes. Yeah, they can't take any risk. There's no, no mobile phones when they're holding horses. You can't take a call like that. It's all radios that are attached to their, sort of the side of their leg there and can't pick them up. It's all, all two-way radio. Yeah, it's quite serious. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I did one of the bigger stud farms and yeah. whenever we did foals, the staff had to wear helmets there. Did they? Yeah, yeah. And because I always used to say it, it didn't tend to be me that got clonked on the head 
you know, once a year. It was one of the one stars. of them rearing so, up and yeah. yeah. So boxed. I mean, we can't, you know, we're we're almost. I'm not saying we're looking at it light-hearted, and, but um, to be quite honest, we all have to take safety. Yeah, seriously, don't we? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, no. it, especially even with the, like we were saying earlier, with the biosecurity, I think it's a good thing. I think it's going to push people to be more uh, secure with it and, and actually take take notice of it and not think it's light-hearted. Safety's very, very high up on the list here. Yeah. Any horses? I mean, we have quite a lot sedated here. Quite a lot can be very, very dangerous. Well, as you said, they're, they're coming in often from abused places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Terri- you know, terrified I mean, of me. Abused dogs yeah. tend to bite people. Yeah, no, that's right. You know, yeah, and, and that's that's what's so important. Like I say, with the reports and the that you get before you get under them, some of them slip the net every now and again, and you find yourself yeah, rolling about on the floor. <laughs> All right, I have to ask the two of you a deep philosophical question. So who's going to go first? Dad could go first. <laughs> right, well, you, you've been about longer, so you might know to answer this better than the sprog sitting sprog. the other side of it. I'd like you to tell me what you think is the biggest challenge that we face in life. Oh, my goodness. Man. As barriers, or... In, as you can answer it both. Staying alive. Well, that might be be current. (laughs) But what about us, Paris? What's the biggest challenge we face? Uh, Well, how speed stands at the moment, the apprentice system, in my view, is not going well. I think it's only going to get worse. I think it's going to come down to a short period of time and the standards are going to drop. As far as I'm concerned, it was always the best apprenticeship literally in the world. It's slowly being destroyed. And that's a worry. It's a worry where it gets to stage. I mean, I've qualified uh, 25 apprentices, and I seriously think about just giving it up because it's just getting all too much. Everything's against you. Well, don't do that, Bob. Because no. I've seen, <laughs> well, I mean, no, no. I've seen your lads, and um, I know I spend half my life trying to take the mick out of you. But you, you produce so many good young parents. So, uh, yeah. So we need that to continue. It's not getting any easier at all. It's not getting any easier. There's so many things that uh, they seem to be against the apprenticeship rather than for it. I can't see it getting any better. See, if this helps inspire you, you reckon you're on 25. I trained 31. I know you'd like to beat me at everything. <laughs> I think mine might be 32, actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'll have to have yeah, a count yeah, up. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question, though. What do you think is the biggest challenge that we face in life? Um, yeah. Um, that is philosophical. <laughs> Tell me, what, what's the biggest challenge that you think that you could face in life? Um, probably recently, having my new baby daughter and bringing her up and bringing her into the okay, right world. Fair enough. And, well, we might as well carry... It was a bit of a shock. We'll, we'll, we'll cover the lovely little baby daughter, I know, called Florence, yeah. which is a wonderful name. My grandmother's name was Fantastic. Florence. Fantastic. One of my grandmothers. She's 10 weeks this Saturday. Yeah, can see you've still got the grin on your yeah. face. <laughs> but right, so your father's full name... Robert George Rush. And your full name is? Robert George Rush. And your full name, Robbie, Robert is? Robert George Rush. Right. I'm the fourth. Yeah. You're the fourth? Oh, yes. yeah, my great is Robert George Rush as well. But he wasn't a farrier, was he? No. But, and of course, I always knew Bob, and then Robert, and then Robbie. So at least you're on a name that can have variations. Yeah, I mean, mine changes from yard to yard, to be honest. Does it? And yeah, how good of a job I've done, I suppose. <laughs> but you know, as you know, um, I love the fact that you've had this new, lovely little girl. But what is my big disappointment in life? Yours that I didn't call her Roberta. <laughs> she should have been Ro- Roberta Georgina. For me, little Florence will always be Roberta oh, Georgina. The poor girl. <laughs> All right. 
So uh, yeah, maybe she was yours, maybe not. Yeah, no, she's a. Uh, I don't know whether she'll grow up to be a fairy if her mum's got anything to do with it. Okay. Well, I think she's probably more doctor or something along those well, lines. Not much like no, yourself. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very quick. You, you dug yourself out of that yeah, I did, quite did quickly, that. didn't you? All right. So I want to ask just a few uh, quick fire questions, and it's a bit more difficult with two of you. But um, straight knife or loop knife, Ron? Straight. Straight knife or loop knife? Straight. All right. Uh, cob or donkey? Donkey. Donkey. All right, well, we'll see why that. Why you've done that. Hot or cold? Hot. Hot. Yeah, two old traditional fairies. Yeah. I can see that. I've come out here to the countryside. <laughs> yeah. All right, so just tell me, you both said straight knives, yeah? Yeah. And uh, do you use a loop knife? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Use loop knife, use, use quitters or searchers as well, but yeah, much, much prefer straight. Do you? Yeah, I think you, still, you can still do both sides of the frog. So you get a left-handed one, show it back down the oh, other side. Oh, so <laughs> you're, now you're trying to tell us all that you're ambidextrous. That's it, something like that. Yeah. You have been called other things worse than <laughs> yeah. that. I know that. Now, hot or cold? Because I've seen, you, I mean, the horses here already just this morning. You've had some hot churn and some cold churn, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the admin and hard bars, they're all cold shod. We do have some of the, uh, the thoroughbreds that are yeah. just too frightened of the hot shoe and yeah. so we'll cold shoe them. Yeah, a lot of the nervous ones it will yeah. still be cold shod, won't they? They're, uh, um, but a lot of the big heavy horses and whatever. It's still nice to be able to get in the forge and make up a pair of like uh, sidebone shoes or something like that and have a good burn. Yeah. <laughs> and, and tell me, do you hot shoe because you can't get the foot level? Yeah, right. Oh. We can, I know you come out with this. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Sh sharp rasps. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'd want to pursue just a little bit more some of the problems you get. We've talked about laminite, a side bone. I mean, I've seen, I, I know certainly in my book, I took a picture up here of a pony um, had uh, suspensory ligament problems. You know, the, the fat lot mm. was nearly on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Do you get many of those? get quite a few, yeah, especially where, where you're getting foals rescued um, or the foals been out in a field. So, so oh, you're fun. talking about flaccid tendons in yeah, foals. Yeah. I, I was talking about the age oh, of the actual, Oh, was where, actually suspensory, yeah, so you're right, it's a degeneration. Um, yeah, there's no end of them like that. Um, and it is just purely sort of age-related and, and confirmation-related, but stuff like that, same as what Dad was saying, it's all comfort shoeing, so you'd shoe for as much as you, as you can. But is there that. any way that you can shoe those that actually helps with that, um, you know, dropping of the pastern and the fat lot? Uh, it's difficult there. Uh, I mean, I mean, you can go down like the fishtail route, can't you? And yeah, different bits like that. It's got to be. It depends on the severity of the case. They how far you can go out the back. Yeah, I I much prefer harder ground or where they've got some of the concrete pads. If you haven't assumed instead of some of some of the fields further down, obviously quite soft, quite wet. I found they find they get really sore when the foot is falling straight into the ground. Yeah, I was quite ground. surprised. I mean, Norfolk is the driest county yeah, in but, Britain. But still. I, I probably I have come here at the end of our wettest ever yeah. winter, but yeah, there was plenty of mud about. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. So any of those ones that have got dropped vet dogs, last thing they want to be doing is sinking into some some mud and trying to get out of it as well. It doesn't do them any good. No. If we just because uh, you you did uh, mention um, folds with flaccid tendons, and I hadn't thought about that about. Neglected foals maybe not got enough exercise. Yeah. So so you see that relatively frequently, don't you? I know you've got a case away from here. Yeah. Tomorrow. I mean, we've seen we've seen no end of them. Like I say, when when they're getting rescued, they're not necessarily possibly past that sort of three month 
three, four month period when you can really make a change. We have a massive surge in the last five years. Isn't it? And they're having to scoop up some of these cobs that are in fields and and they might be six, eight months old and never had a thing done to them. They've got feet up in the air. So there's only a certain amount you can do with your shoeing and your trimming. Yeah, you do see that quite a lot, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And you you have other great facilities here. We've been in the... And we actually had a look at some of the radiography. So, So you have that advantage here that I know you were saying earlier... The vets obviously have the call on you, you know, but you also have the call on them, oh, don't they? The vets are very good. They'll do any, any horse that comes in. If I want to take it straight away, an x-ray straight away, that'll be x-rayed and brought back again or we're going to have a look. So anything yeah. that we need, the vets are there for us. We'll do it Instant on call. And yeah. there'd be very few farriers in the world in that. You know, it's a privileged position. Yeah, you can just say, I mean, even down to have a quick look at this. Yeah, and even down to sort of sedation or something like that. They can literally radio through, and a nurse will be there within within ten minutes, and that horse yeah. that you're under is sedated. If that which horse is, is too dangerous, then uh, I won't allow any of the lads to get uh, anywhere near it. And they'll have somebody here literally in five minutes to a vet, a veterinary nurse, and they'll be sedated, and we obviously get our job done safely. Or, uh, or if there's anything that we need doing, yeah. They'll do it straight away. They'll drop what they do and come uh, sort it out. And what's the, what's the usual sedation? Is it uh, Domosedan yeah. with torpedoes? Domosedan, I think, yeah. 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 Some, some of the bad ones, they have to be eye-aimed because uh, they're that nervous or that scared. Eye-aimed? Yeah. In the muscle. It's a muscle. Oh, OK. But, yeah. So you yeah. then have to wait you for don't a while. Get an How long does it take you? 30, 40 minutes until that's yeah. really set in. The, on the yeah. other hand as well, on some of these big rescues we've been on, yeah. They've been either you've had blow darted or yeah. you've been some of the ones over in the vet block when you can't get near them at all, GA'd completely. So we, we had a couple of big shires, didn't we? Yeah, GA'd we on, on the back. Have you been with somebody blow darting? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. We've still got a couple of general anaesthetic where they have to be knocked out of the floor, which that can be a bit dodgy, especially if you've got a shire because you, you're straddled across the and they drop, they wake up. As quick as they go down. <laughs> we, we were actually in there once when one woke up while yeah. we were trimming it and it just started going on the floor. Christ alive. The other thing about trimming on the floor is we're all used to having the leg either over yeah. our hip or, Completely or, or between the legs. Yeah. And when you're horizontal, yeah. the leg's flapping about. It's, yeah. it's surprising how much... Stuff like that. It's more of like the, the welfare trim. It's getting real excess off where they've yeah, got those times. Like you can't get a proper... No, you've not got a show trim. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, just, just get them off. Yeah. Well, look, chaps, we've sort of come towards the end of this uh, podcast. Uh, we've been mates a long time. I hope there wasn't too much <laughs> laughter on the podcast. We've, no. we've covered some quite serious subjects, but... You know, uh, I want to thank you for both your hospitality, your help with me in the past, uh, Thanks for coming up here and seeing you, and uh, I'm looking forward to the lunch that you promised me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so, a fish and chip van, because none, none of the restaurants I, are open because of the virus. <laughs> I didn't think you'd be that um, generous. All right, thanks, guys. Thank Cheers. you very much. Thank you. Well, we've covered an awful lot of ground in our 35 minutes together. Uh, Robbie and Rob talked about the sort of precautions that need to be taken with the type of horses they have there. Not just safety, because these are sometimes horses that are abused, that come from situations where they're not well broken in, well mannered. Uh, And of course, some of them, these horses are just frightened of people. 
But we also talked about the uh, precautions that happen when you put such a large population of horses together. And of course, this was very appropriate talking about the spread of uh, disease, which is epidemiology. And of course, this is right in the middle, uh, as I said in my intro, with COVID-19 virus. So it was quite appropriate that we covered those. And we also looked at the sort of conditions that you encounter in the uh, hooves and legs as a farrier with older horses. Now, I'd have to say I forgot to ask them one thing, which was about their relationship, because master and apprentice relationships are often fraught with danger. But when you add the additional factor of family relationships, then, of course, that adds to it. I would have to say that, um, and I hope it comes over in the podcast, that Robbie and Robert have this extraordinary, extraordinarily good relationship. And I tend to bump into them every two or three months. And they're always together. They're almost joined at the hip. They seem to have the same interests and the same love of life. So I hope you've enjoyed this, this podcast with the family business which is in a very unusual situation at the Red Wing Sanctuary. Thank you for listening. We'd like to thank Hoofcare Essentials Foundation and their partners for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more information at hoofcareessentials.com. You can follow more of Simon's work on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Simon Curtis. To get in contact, please email thehoofofthehorse at gmail.com. And for everything else, go to drsimoncurtis.com. Thanks for listening.